Do you feel stuck in your life, career, or business? And are you ready to take things to the next level? If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is David Trotter, and I'm a transformation coach passionate about helping people just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals. My superpower is helping people experience tremendous breakthroughs in a short period of time. If you give me 12 weeks, I'll help you launch that new project, go after that better job, or overcome that challenge in your business. To find out how I can help you, head on over to insporising.com slash coach. That's insporising.com slash coach. You know, growing up, I had learning disabilities. So, and you know, it's something you don't lose. <laughs> it's it's something that stays with you. So, you know, when you feel like you're different than other people and you don't feel respected or valued in the school environment, and then, you know, sometimes that can creep into your work environments as well. It really gave me I don't know, I guess a a greater appreciation for the challenges that others go through. Welcome to Inspiration Rising. My name is David Trotter, and I'm a business growth consultant. I'm passionate about helping business owners just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals, all without the paralyzing overwhelm, feeling all alone, or wondering what the heck to do next. You're in the right place. I'm super glad that you're here. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Inspiration Rising. Hey, have you ever experienced a workplace that felt inhumane? It was as if your boss or the culture of the company was saying, keep your personal life at home. We don't care if your mom or dad is dying. We don't care if your kids have an addiction to drugs. We don't care if you're going through menopause. We don't care if your partner's leaving you. We don't care if you're dealing with depression. We just want you to show up and be ready to get the work done. Is that the kind of environment that we want to work in? No, none of us do. And yet, as you're creating your own business, as you're hiring your first virtual assistant, or you're hiring online contractors, or maybe you're hiring someone to actually work with you in an office, do you want that kind of environment for them? What if we could humanize the workplace? What if we could treat people as whole persons who are going through challenging experiences, which ultimately impact their whole lives, including their jobs? So today, I'm really excited to introduce you to Lee Mitchell. She's a career and business brand strategist and the founder of Be Happy HR. Now, we talk all about humanizing the workplace, human resources, and humanizing the recruitment process. We also talk a lot about creating space for women and diverse employees. And I get to ask her some questions that, frankly, they come off as very ignorant because I'm just willing to ask the ignorant question to go, I don't understand. I don't know. Help me. Help me understand. Teach me. Lee is the founder of Women in Business Network. She's also the host of the Time to Thrive podcast, and you're going to just love her. So let's check out this uh, conversation with Lee Mitchell. Lee, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I appreciate it. So happy to be here. This is really exciting. I'm looking forward to having a great conversation with you. Yeah. Okay, so I want to hear a little bit about your background and what led you to start uh, Be Happy HR. Thanks. Yeah, so 
I am a marketer by trade. Uh, I've been doing that in my career for over 20 years. And about 10 years ago, I started a business uh, called Women in Biz Network. And we essentially help women with mentorship and networking, obviously, (laughs) hence the name. Uh, And also just, you know, making women feel less isolated and giving them a place to up-level their their career and uh, the you know, skills that they need to succeed. And throughout that journey, I noticed in the last couple of years that there were a lot of uh, corporate women that were reaching out to us saying that they really wanted to have an opportunity to uh, grow their skills. And originally, when we started Women in Biz Network, it was focused on entrepreneurial women. But with the dawn of the Me Too movement and, you know, more light being shed on the challenges that women are having in the workplace, it led us to examine what we could do uh, to support women, especially with COVID-19, uh, the amount of women that are out of work has really skyrocketed. We're at a, a 35-year low in the workplace, and here in Canada, it's been really devastating because we're you know, essentially still in mainly in lockdown. Mm-hmm. And so um, at the beginning of uh, the pandemic, I started to really think about, you know, what HR services could I provide that could support employers understanding the value of diversity and inclusion and the value of ensuring that barriers are removed for women in the workplace. And eventually the idea is that Be Happy HR will become a place where other uh, diverse audiences can feel respected and heard in the workplace. So we provide consulting on building happy cultures within work with a lens of diversity inclusion, and also for uh, women to get uh, access to job postings where we vetted the employers. And we really want to help with the recruiting process. We want to ensure that we're there for our clients, but most importantly, we're there equally for candidates who are going through a recruitment process. So essentially, we want to humanize the the HR experience. So my background uh, in marketing and and also, you know, what I've seen happening, the trends that are happening in the workplace led me to want to start this business. And what's interesting is I didn't hear any, um, excuse me, background in HR itself. Yes, that's a a really good um, point to make. Um, I personally don't have an HR background. Uh, It's something that I'm really passionate about, and I've been studying diversity and inclusion now for years. So, you know, essentially what we've, we've done is we've created a talent hive, and we've brought together experts that will be a part of our organization. So we have a certified HR consultant who works with us, a lovely lady by the name of Sarah Bibb, who's also a mentor for the Women in Biz Network. Got to know her over the last couple of years. And, you know, we both have shared values in wanting to humanize the work experience and feel we want uh, not only employees to feel heard and respected, but also candidates, because, you know, there's a lot of um, information out there saying that, you know, we're not respecting candidates enough. We're putting them through the ringer and they're frustrated, they're disillusioned, and they need to feel 
that, you know, as candidates and job seekers, that they're valued and respected as well. Now, if I'm an employer um, listening to this conversation, right, and listening to the desire to humanize the workplace, to respect candidates, um, how does this benefit me as an employer when I have you know, thousands upon thousands of possibilities. I mean, I hear from friends, you know, right. They submit a resume or they own a business. They, they literally receive hundreds of resumes. I'm going to pick the top person, the person that's the cream of the crop that rises to the surface. Why do I need to um, be more respectful when I'm trying to get the absolute top candidate? I want to put them through the ringer, right? Why? Like help me understand why, why I would want to treat them differently? Well, that's such a great question. And, you know, something that I think is really, it's all about the fact that your reputation is something that is really hard to undo. So if you're out in the employer world and, <laughs> and your company is, is known as being one that, doesn't respect candidates and job seekers, it's going to spread like wildfire. There's, mm-hmm. th- there's just no way around that. Um, companies like Glassdoor publish reviews of candidates as well as past employees and current employees of, you know, what the job experience is like um, through the lens of someone who's, who's wanting to get access to this employer Right. And, you know, so so that stuff, you know, in this day and age, you do not want to have a bad review on these platforms, Uh, especially if there's like, you know, uh, a lot of uh, the same comments, the same concerns. You know, when you see those trends, it's a red flag. Sure. So at what point in your career did you become more aware of or um, passionate about diversity and inclusion? How did that come up up for you? Well, yeah, that's a really good question. Diversity and inclusion has always been an important thing for me. It's something that I've always been interested in. Uh, You know, growing up, I had learning disabilities. So, and, you know, it's something you don't lose. (laughs) It's, it's something that stays with you. So, you know, when you feel like you're different than other people and you don't feel respected or valued in the school environment, and then, you know, sometimes that can creep into your work environments as well. It really gave me, I don't know, I guess a, a greater appreciation for the challenges that others go through, obviously on a way bigger scale than even what I've experienced. You know, I'm a white woman who has, you know, certain privileges that others don't. And so I guess that's always been something that has stayed with me throughout my career is that I just want to make a difference um, and be there for, for lack of a better word, for, for the underdogs of the world. And, you know, as, as I started to learn more within my business, Women in Biz Network, you know, I, I study the impacts that, affect women. And it's just something that I'm, I'm really interested in. It's something that I know businesses do better when, when they understand the value of 
diversity and inclusion and the fact that it it creates better business opportunities, greater growth in businesses. Also, I believe that giving back and having social purpose in your business is equally as important and in, in something that I'm also really interested in. Mm-hmm. It feels like to me that we are in a season where businesses seem to be, and I'm talking larger corporations, it feels, sometimes it can feel disingenuous in terms of whether it's an advertisement on television or, you know, a YouTube video or, you know, whatever it might be, where it feels like they're almost covering their butts or trying to pander to a group of people as opposed to like it actually being a part of their culture. And that's from an outside perspective. Obviously I don't work at those companies. I don't, you know what I mean? I just see an ad or something and it's kind of like, do they really believe that? Or are they just putting that advertisement out there because it's like the thing to do right now? Like from a, Mm -hmm. from even like a consumer perspective, like myself, who's maybe not looking to either be hired by that company. Like, how do you like help me process that? Help me process that. I see the ad on TV and I'm like, "Eh, why are they tooting their own horn about this? Like why, like this feels disingenuous. I don't know. Like, am I just being hard on them? Do I like help me out with this process? Help process, help it process, help me process it a bit. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I think that in any marketing campaign, things can be for sure come across as not authentic or disingenuous or tone deaf. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's, that's definitely something that can happen for sure. And sometimes people have the right intention, but how the message is delivered and received can have a problem, right? Without a doubt. You know, I think it all, it goes back to your motives and your core values and what you're trying to achieve. And if a company has a history of not doing things because of, you know, the greater good or, you know, not being in touch with core values and, you know, being disingenuous, then of course the red flags are going to go up. But I think that there are companies out there that really, you know, are, you know, in this cancel culture, I think we need to give people a chance to improve and to Mm -hmm. make a difference. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think we have to keep open minds and be curious and have a a growth mindset when we're looking at at ads and and not um, jumping to conclusions. But I think as as consumers, we definitely, and I love the fact that they're starting to teach this in school, right? To, to be critical when you look at an ad and to, to challenge, you know, what the motives are and what the outcomes are. So, you know, I I think that's a good thing. Uh, And I think those that are, are trying to make a difference, they'll start to show a track record, you know, and maybe in the beginning, people won't take them serious. But if they keep at it, and they do have good intentions, then hopefully, eventually, people will will start to see that hopefully they're doing these things for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And that we can take away good things from their messaging. A lot of the uh, women that listen to our podcast are either starting their business or growing a business generally online. And let's just say that they are looking to hire that 
next individual. Um, a lot of people hire people overseas, of course, but let's just say they're looking to hire somebody uh, in the United States or in North America. Um, help, help me process through what it looks like to be mindful of diversity and inclusion in that hiring process. If I'm a small business, right? I'm not a big business. I don't have hundreds of employees. I maybe have less than 10. What does that look like? How do I, how do I do that with integrity and yet looking to diversify the, um, makeup of my team, how how do I go about that? Like not only Mm -hmm. legally, but ethically and in in alignment with, you know, my desires, but I've I've got a bunch of different people that I'm looking to hire. Can you walk me through that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one thing that I really want to make clear is that it's not about hiring someone just because they're a woman or because they're a minority or, you know, because they have a disability. It's hiring them because they're the best choice and because you have a, a, you know, a level candidate pool, meaning that you have not just a bunch of, you know, white men applying for a tech job. Mm-hmm. You have a, a diverse candidate pool. That's what it's about. It's it's leveling up your candidate pool so that you can feel confident that you are making the right decision. And yes, you're right. When you are looking at a small business, you know maybe it's someone who's starting up their their business to a new level, and they have to you know grow responsibly financially ethically, everything else. Right. And, you know, I, I think that women who are in industries that are male dominated understand that you have to see it to believe it. Right. Mm -hmm. And women are 50% of the population. So if you have just men on your team, then, you know, how are those people that work for that company going to speak to the women, right? Because totally. we, we need, yeah, we need to speak from experience and from our past learnings as, as, as uh, employees, right? So if you only have one type of person on your team, then how are your decisions going to uh, help you to land more business? Because you don't have that, that diversity of opinion, and you don't have someone, you know, if, if everyone's the same and you're all just sort of, you know, creating a culture where, you know, you just keep doing the same things and no one challenges each other. There's not psychological safety to speak up and say when you think that you should go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's important. So I would say to, you know, a woman business owner that's looking to hire staff to just, you know, look at what the, what your overall mission is and what you want to accomplish and who do you need on your team to have different perspectives so that when you're setting up policies and, you know, coming up with marketing plans and everything else, that there's diversity in thought and leadership. I think that's most important. So however you have to get there to, to establish that, you know, it, it, it's, that's up to the individual, you know, based on their budget and everything else. But what I love about Be Happy HR is that 
we are there for employers that don't have HR departments. And so we can help them with, you know, even understanding whether or not they need to hire someone, right? Having a, an analysis of who they need and, you know, what level that that employee should be at and come up with a hiring plan before, you know, just going impulsively out there and saying, okay, I have to hire someone because I'm anxious because there's mm. this work coming in and, you know, I'm being reactive, right? The whole idea is to do things with intention and, and with integrity and with, um, you know, a good business head. Mm-hmm. This is uh yeah, I will tell you, Lee, most of my questions on the Inspiration Rising podcast are out of ignorance because I'm talking to people about things that I don't know about. And so I get to learn along the way. So all of my questions are out of like, geez, I don't even know like how to approach this. So uh, this next question is definitely based out of ignorance. If I'm trying to uh, broaden my candidate pool of having a, you know, a wide variety of people, generally I could tell by the name if someone is male or female. But if I'm trying to uh, have more BIPOC candidates or candidates mm. that are, you know, have a difference of ability or whatever it might be, how am I doing that when I have 100 applicants, 100 applications, 100 uh, resumes that are sitting in front of me? Am I asking for a full body headshot? Am I asking for full body, you know, photo? Am I like, help me out here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how am I changing the diversity of the talent pool without actually talking to every single person? Yeah, that's, that's a good question too. I love, I love, I love these questions. So first of all, um, you know, when you're in the hiring process as, as someone who maybe doesn't necessarily higher on a regular basis, you're not, you know, a certified HR person, just like myself, uh, you need to know what the hiring laws are, first and foremost, right? Make sure you're not breaking any laws. And I, you know, on Link, I'm a power user of LinkedIn. And I remember a few years ago, seeing a posting where they specifically said they wanted a woman because it was for a receptionist job, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and what they were asking for, they were breaking laws. There's, there mm-hmm. was no way around it. Right. Sure. So they got shamed left, right and center on, on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, I was kind of blown away by the ignorance of, of, you know, people that are in a position to be hiring. Right. So of course you, you want to, as, as an, as someone who's hiring, you want to be familiar with what the laws are, right. You can't ask someone if they're, married. You can't ask them if they have children, uh, you know, things like that, right? You can't, there's lots of questions that you can't, you can't ask for a full body headshot. So how you do this is by um, making sure that you work with companies that if you're working with someone that's helping you to do the hiring, make sure that those, those people that are hiring uh, or helping you with the hiring know how to go after diverse talents of uh, talent pools, right? So they have connections with organizations that would be able to assist more people seeing that, that job posting, right? So for, for us, we have a diversity driven career board, right? So uh, people that are looking to hire more women would use our, our diversity driven, um, 
employee board on Women in Biz Network site. If they're looking to want to have more um, individuals that have disabilities, right, then they're going to lo- look at, you know, organizations that have, um, you know, outreach for employment. Um, the, your question around looking at names, that's actually harder to tell right now. I was actually doing um, some data mining myself yesterday. We had a big event and we had over 300 people register, mm-hmm. um, both male and female. <clears throat> and I had to, and so I was adding them to our mailing list as part of the, the way in which we um, do that. Like we ask permission to add them to the mailing list Mm -hmm. and they fill out a form to say that, yes, they would do that, but it didn't make sense to add men to the mailing list of women in biz network. Mm -hmm. So there I am going through all the names yesterday, trying to decipher, you know, who's a male and who's a female. And I'll tell you, 20% of the, the the people I looked on that list, I had to actually um, go in and look at their name on LinkedIn because I couldn't tell. Sure. So I think that basically where I'm going with this is that you have to make sure that your networks and where you're posting or connecting with others attract people within the pools that you're trying to hire. So if you're looking to hire more Aboriginal people, well, then, you know, you have to connect with Aboriginal organizations that have people that identify as, you know, being a part of that network and share there, you know, so it's all about the sharing in the right places, I think. Mm -hmm. My son's name is Emerson, uh, (laughs) E-M-E-R-S-O-N, and um, uh, he's 18, and yet there are a lot of little girls running around named Emerson these days. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. My name is another example. My name is Lee, L-E-I-G-H. And less, less people have the spelling, that spelling that is, that are male. Right. But, you know, if I'm saying my name to someone or, you know, or oftentimes my name is misspelled, people might make the assumption that I'm a man too. Sure, sure. One of the unisex um, name. One of the things that you uh, phrases that you've utilized um, in our conversation here is humanize the workplace. What is mm. it? What is it? Um, well, before I ask that, you know, I had, I had this interesting conversation with my wife last night. We were over at some friend's house, and they have two kids. One is three, and one is one. We hang out with them regularly, and they were just exhausted on a Sunday evening. You know, <laughs> my wife and I by the Sunday evening are like we're refreshed. We're ready to go back to, you know, doing work um, because our kids are older, 21 and 18. And they are just, they're dying. You know, they're like, Oh my God, this week, hopefully this weekend will be just finished. The weekend's actually more work for them than the weekday. And I told my wife, I go, you know, imagine um, she, the wife is not working out of the house. uh, This, the uh, husband does. And I thought, you know, imagine how that impacts his productivity um, every day in terms of the sleep. And then we started talking about women and that women take, you know, the majority of oftentimes the majority of domestic household duties or child rearing and how that impacts, you know, women in the workplace. And Mm -hmm. because I, it's been so long since we've had little kids. I don't necessarily think of that all the time. I don't have um, people that work for me that have small children. So it's not something I'm dealing with on a regular basis, but 
if if a supervisor or an owner, a manager does not humanize the workplace, you know, it's easy to see people as robots that show up, do the job, get it done, and lack an awareness of life situations and challenges. Um how 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 do we humanize why why should we humanize the workplace? Aren't all people robots? Shouldn't they just come to work and get stuff done? How do we humanize the workplace if you think we should? Like, talk to me about this. Mm, yeah, sure. Well, you know, it's interesting now that we're moving towards most likely a hybrid work environment, which means that you know, part of the time, maybe you're working online and part of the time, maybe you're going to go back into an office. You know, those that don't humanize the the work experience for people don't take into consideration what their, their teams are looking for. They'll lose employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, there's uh, stats out there that said that, you know, we're probably going to have like a huge exodus in the workforce of those that, especially those that have moved, right? That's for the first time ever, people are looking at their, their life experience through the COVID lens, you know, yes. maybe they're looking at it going, you know, life's short, <laughs> Right. I, I got to do what I want to do. Right. Like I, you know, I've heard people, actually one of the ind- lovely individuals that you introduced me to Alexandra was saying how she was in a, you know, tiny apartment in New York city and moved to New Jersey because she, you know, was probably going crazy in New York oh, city yeah. during the pandemic. Right. So she moved and, you know, she started her own business, um, which, which is amazing. Uh, Cause she's, she works with people that, have learning disabilities and uh, dyslexia and, and ADHD and, and how that, how those people are treated in the workplace. Right. And um, I think that if you ignore the needs of employees and the workforce, you're going to lose them. And, you know, right now, yes, we are in an employer's market, but before you know it, we'll be back to an employee's market again. And, you know, one of the biggest challenges business owners have is, is finding the right people and retaining those people. Right. So, you know, there's a business case for it. If you humanize the work experience, then people are going to want to stay with you. And, you know, the, the expense of losing staff and, having to rehire and, you know, potentially so working with a recruiter again. Yeah. It's so much mm-hmm. money, right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of our people are going to, are, will continue to be one of our biggest resources. And, you know, those that have said, Oh yeah, I see the value of all the money that we can save by moving our business online. I, I've heard of organizations that are closing down office space because right you know, they see they can actually do it. But the thing is, is that are they doing it with people first, right? Mm. So, you know, one of my favorite uh, HR leaders is Pam Ross. And she she talks about, you know, making work awesome. And she's been really focused on how to make work awesome in uh, online virtual environments. And it takes some thought because if you work for, you know, if you, you don't have those in-person touch points, uh, it, it's easy to lose that, 
that human experience between people, you know? And so um, companies are really going to have to go back to the drawing board and say, like, if I do want to have my company online, what can I do to make this an environment that people are going to want to stay in that they, you know, that they're not frustrated, that they're not like burnt out because online work tends to come with more burnout. So, you know, what are, what is your company going to do to humanize an online work experience so that you can retain staff? That's, that's going to be, I think probably our next big challenge in the workplace. Mm -hmm. With the humanization process, or just the the whole idea of humanizing the workplace. How does, how does someone wrestle through the, okay, this person has a challenge in their life and I want to support them as they're going through it. And yet it is directly impacting their productivity. Like how do you, how do you process through that? And I know that there are legal issues. So obviously we are assuming that people are, you know, dealing with those. But like, how do you go, this person has an, you know, it could be a ailing parent. It could be a newborn child. It could be an illness. It could be, you know what I mean? Like that's Mm -hmm. so hard as an employer to go, how do you want to care for the person and, and help them succeed? And at the same time, if it is dramatically impacting their productivity, um, how do you, how do you deal with that? Oh, another really great question. You're, you're coming with lots of really good ones. So thank you for giving me the chance to answer that. So, you know, as someone who's had her own good share of mental health challenges, I, you know, I have an anxiety disorder. So, you know, I, I personally know how it feels to be in, in the shoes of, of being an employee in a workplace where mental health challenges are, are not respected. Like you would say, like, diabetes, if, you know, if a person had to make sure that they had a chance to take like a needle. Blood sugar, or, you know, right, yeah, right. exactly. You weren't, you're not going to stop that person from doing that because, you know, you got to look at the long-term impact, you know, both as an employee and as an employer. Right. So for example, you know, if I am an employee and I'm looking at, you know, the short-term pain of going through, daycare and the expense of that and everything else, right? I've got to look at what's my long-term vision. What what do I want in life? Right. Mm. And I think employers need to think about their long-term vision. And you know, we all go through different challenges in work, right? It's where we spend the majority of our time. So, you know, to just give up on employees because they go through, you know, maybe a small blimp, mm-hmm. like grief, you know, grief is a really great example. Someone loses a parent or a spouse, you know, they need their employer to be there for them. And I think people that go through really big life changes, like maybe they've had a near life in death experience, you know, and they were the ones like, I can remember I had my appendix, uh, Mm. not ruptured, but you know, I had an emergency appendix removal Mm -hmm. And it was in the middle of when I was doing a conference and <laughs> I remember the, the sur- not the surgeon, but whoever was wheeling me into the thing, almost like ha- well, having to take my phone from me to say, <laughs> okay, I got to take this now. We got to go. And, you know, feeling like, 
it was life or death getting that last message out. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Someone who goes through a life or death experience, they have a new perspective and they're, they're not going to see things the way they maybe once did. Right. You know, they're not going to look back on their legacy and say, Oh, I wish I had spent, you know, my time <laughs> sending out more emails. Like the chances are that you're not going to say that on your deathbed. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, you know, where, where we, we need to, to see things is, is, is to have the perspective that hopefully individuals that go through short-term challenges get the support they need, you know, through their employee resource. There's, you know, a lot of companies, even small companies, like the company that my husband works for, you know, 30 employees, but they have an employee assistance plan. And leadership that uh, that is shares challenges, you know, like if a leader shares their own personal challenges with the team, there's going to be more psychological safety and productivity goes up, right? So being able to get things off your chest is a great way to be able to move on, right? So, you know, you say your bit, and then you feel listened to, you feel valued, and then you're able to get your work done. But if you have to push push yourself down, push your emotions down, push everything down, that's that's just a ticking time bomb for for a lot of like way worse pro- productivity challenges. Right. So you know, I think there's a lot of studies out there that are proving that vulnerability in the workplace and sharing of challenges makes for better work environments mm-hmm. and works for makes for better productivity and will, that will lead to better profits. Mm-hmm. So much of what you're talking about is I would almost say assuming a pretty high level of emotional intelligence. <laughs> because a lot of the things we're talking about with empathy um respecting others, uh, diverse experiences, um, wanting to help other people rather than just use them for the purpose of your, you know, vision goal or mission of the company. Um, Mm -hmm. so many of those things are assuming a high level of emotional intelligence. Am I, am I wrong here? Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny, I've worked for companies, not for profit companies that are very mission based, and, you know, very much about helping their communities. And yet they're the they're the structure of those companies oftentimes lacks a human resources department lacks an opportunity for the employee to be able to share concerns. Mm -hmm. And I think that as we're making our hiring decisions, it's really important that we think about things like emotional intelligence and, you know, look at the the personal makeup of people on your team Mm -hmm. and how, you know, your strengths and weaknesses can complement each other. And, you know, I think that employees need to learn to speak up for themselves because if you don't speak up for yourself, then, progress is never going to happen. And if, you know, you speak up for yourself and 
you try everything and it's still not working, then maybe it's time to move on to another company. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you know, those trends will start to to show, right? Like if, if a manager maybe is a great performer and brings in tons of money, but is berating their team and their team is suffering and their team can't produce. Right. And you know, there's lots of redundancies and, and, um, you know, changing of workforces. I think that that person is going to be called out eventually for their leadership. And, you know, if they can't change, then they may have to move on too. Right. Right. Oh boy. All these things we're talking about, Lee, these are just so hard. It's just hard. It's just hard decisions. Hard (laughs) to think about these, like as a, you know, ah, just, it's just hard. I mean, I just, Honestly, it's just not, uh, and that's why we need people like you who are helping companies, not only companies, but also job seekers navigate this process of how do I, as a job seeker, find a place where I fit best, where I have a safe place to be able to thrive based on my unique experiences in in life and my unique perspective. So I can bring that to the table and really um, help that company excel uh, as I excel. And then how do you, um, also you're helping employers create inclusive environments. So we need people like you because it's, I think most small business owners are focused on the bottom line and how to grow the business. And, uh, but with that comes retention, you know, it comes with like, how do I retain my top people? Um, but it's, it's hard. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to say it's hard. (laughs) oh yeah there's nothing easy about owning a business (laughs) you know and and that's why we want to be there we want to be there for the small business owners you know we want to help them be crafty and coming up with with solutions Mm -hmm. all right well if you we've we've been there (laughs) you've been there yes you you, you're, you're doing it um all right so those of you who are listening, obviously, I really want to encourage you to check out um, BeHappyHR.com. This is Lee's website, B-E-E, happy, uh, HR.com. And there are two uh, things that I want to draw your attention to. It's right at the top of the page. Download uh, their Job Seeker brand checklist. And if you're an employer, download their Be Happy Employer Guide. So these are two ways that you can just get a taste of what Lee and her company are offering. So I encourage you to check that out. Um, if you need the URL, you can just swipe up on your phone and uh, check it out on the show notes. So Lee, thank you so much for educating me, helping me ask, helping me process these questions, allowing me to ask you lots of tough, ignorant questions out of my own lack of experience in this area. I appreciate it. I walk away more educated. So thank you. Well, you know what? It's, it's always great to be asked these questions, right? Because uh, it's, it's important stuff. And I'm, I'm all about being open and honest and not shaming and blaming, but educating. And yeah, I, I'm personally don't believe in the cancel culture. I, I believe in um, allowing, I believe everybody's capable of change. For, for the most part. So, um, you know, the more we can just be honest and share our challenges, the better we will create a, an amazing um, work economy. So thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun. As a final uh, question, it's a very important question. 
Um, <laughs> tell us about your dog because I hear he or she wanting attention in the background. Come on, tell us. <laughs> oh, we 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 gave our our little um, Carmela, who's a, a five month old um, beagle uh-huh. who loves to dig holes in our backyard. We gave her a bell for the door. Yeah. And she's supposed to ring the bell when she needs to go to the bathroom, but she loves to be outside. So she rings that bell 30 times a day. And I was like thinking the same thing. Oh no, <laughs> we're, you're going to hear my dog in the background, but you know what? That that's life, right? That's vulnerability. I'm sharing that I am having humongous challenges with my pup, but uh, I'm loving, I'm loving the uh, journey all the, all the same. <laughs> that's that i mean just that is like humanizing life though like that's humanizing work like you know what i mean like you have this dog that you obviously love who doesn't love like we just lost our dog last week uh of 13 years sorry and so uh people love dogs why not just talk about it it's no big deal if there's a dog in the background like we all have pet you know what i mean like that's just part of life yeah, it's either going to be like a fire engine going by or a dog or a kid crying or your, you know, spouse asking where something is. Uh, you know, it, we were on this call and it, it cut off, right? Probably because of all of the bandwidth going on <laughs> with everyone trying to uh, be online at the same time. And I just, you know, I, I, I don't want to cry all the time, so I might as well laugh. <laughs> So let's laugh with it over all of these crazy times right now, eh? <laughs> I live uh, near an airport here in Southern California. It's, you know, five minutes away. So there are planes flying over all the time. So people that listen to our podcast, you know, it's like just part of part of the deal. Yeah, there you go, right? It's That's just like, we got to roll with it. Hey, congrats on listening to another episode of Inspiration Rising. Why congrats? Because you're pouring education and inspiration into your mind and heart. And that's something we all need if we're going to grow our businesses and reach our goals in life. Now, if you enjoy Inspiration Rising, do us a favor, share it with a friend, take a screenshot of your favorite episode and text it to them. Tell them to search for Inspiration Rising on their favorite podcast app and click subscribe. I want you to know today that you're inspired, empowered, and loved, not because of the way you feel or what anyone else says about you, but because that's your true identity.